Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad that you can join us this morning um, for another online service. And so my name is Philip Bredenkamp, and I'm our discipleship and Sunday service coordinator here at Every Nation Dorado. And this morning, I will be bringing the word of God for us. Um, so we have been busy with this sermon series called I Am. And so this morning, I will be concluding our sermon series on I Am. And so what is interesting about this sermon is that um, this is the last I Am claim that Jesus made when he was um, talking about the I Ams. And so when we look at the I Ams that Jesus made, was there were some that were absolute I Ams, and there were some that were, he just used as metaphors. And this one is a, is a metaphor that Jesus used when he says, I Am the true vine. And that will be the title of our message this morning is, I am the true vine. So Jesus is not a literal vine. He's not a literal tree. This is just a metaphor that Jesus is using. And therefore, um, this morning, we're going to use that and explore that. So you can open your Bibles in John 15, verse 1 to 11. So you open your Bibles at John 15, verse 1 to 11. I'm going to open for us in prayer And then I am going to uh, read the scripture and we're going to dive right into it. So Lord, we want to thank you for this morning, Father. Wherever uh, we might be this morning, Lord, whether we are at home, Father, in our living rooms, or whether we are in our beds, or Father, whether we're watching this sermon later on in the day, Lord, or a few days after, Father, I pray that this message Lord, that you have laid on my heart for this morning, Lord, that you would come and, and change our lives with it. Father, I pray that your truth, Lord, will enter our hearts and it will do an exchange for all the lies that we believe about you. Father, I pray that a great exchange will take place. God, Father, as I expound on this scripture, Lord, I pray that it's no longer I, but it's you that will speak through me. Father, I pray that your spirit in this moment will move. Lord, I pray uh, Lord, that you will touch every heart. Father, every person that's watching this, God, you, you knew they're going to watch this. Father, and you knew that you wanted them to watch this, Lord, so that you can impact their lives. And Lord, make them more like you. Amen. Amen. So let's dive right in. John 15, verse 1 to 11. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are cleansed because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, fruit and so prove that you are my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy in you, um, sorry, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So that's, that's our scripture. That's our text for this morning. So just before we get into the text, all of us, everybody has this desire that, want, that all of us want to live a meaningful life. There's no one in the world that, that lives or, or wants to not live a life that is meaningful, a life that is full of purpose, a life that is impact. Everybody want to live a life that leaves an impact. Everybody want to live a life that, that leaves a legacy, that leaves something behind that people remember. Oh, Philip lived and we remember him for something that he lived for. And everybody wants to live a life of eternal value. So we all have that great desire of a living a life that is meaningful, living a life that is purposeful, living a life that impacts and living a life that leaves a legacy that will have eternal value. And so this passage is going to explain to us how to live such a type of life. How do we live a life that is meaningful, purposeful, impactful, and leaves a legacy? And so today, I want to share with you, before we just go into this message, that Paul was saying to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, he says to them, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Can't you see for yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless you actually fail the test? So what I want you to do this morning, or whenever you might be listening to this message, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to see if you're really on this road of living a life that's full of meaning, full of impact, full of purpose, full of legacy, and then you test yourself and see if it is you. See if you're on board. See if you're on the right path to living a life like this. And Paul was saying, this is, it's not abnormal for us to, it's not abnormal for us to examine ourselves, to look at ourselves, to search ourselves, to see what is really happening inside of us. So here's the three points. So I want to give you three points this morning to live a life that is successful, meaningful, purposeful, and impactful, a life that leaves a legacy with eternal value. Here's the first point. We need to be in the vine. So our first starting point for living a life that's purposeful, impactful, and, and, and leaving a legacy is we need to be in the vine. Why do we need to be in the vine? John 15 verse 1 and verse 5 says this, I am the true vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. So clearly what we see on display in this text is that there's this vine that we have and there's these branches. And the vine and the branch at this current moment is separated because of sin. So vine referring to Jesus, branches referring to us. And the separation between these two is because of sin. Now, this is clear because if you think of a vine, so I got a vine here. So think of grapes or wherever you, or a tree or whatever it might be. A branch has no ability to say to itself, I want to be in the vine. There's no way, no tree, no, no fruit tree, no rose, nothing can, there's no way the branch can say, I'm the branch, therefore, I want to be in the vine. But instead, the vine gives life to the branch. And that's exactly the same way when it, when it, 
uh, the way it works with us in Jesus, with us in God, is this, we have no ability to give ourselves life. Our life is nothing. We have no ability to produce life. We have no ability to grow except if we are in the vine. Ephesians 2 verse 8 supports this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is a gift of God. So the, the fact that you can be a branch in the vine with Jesus is by pure grace. And I know that, and this is not a bad language, but I know over the years and listening to people, many will say, you know, my life was like this and I came to a point and I surrendered my life. or I gave my life to Jesus. But in a, in a, in an, in a true and actual sense, no, God gave you the ability to give your life to Him. God actually pursued you before, before you pursued Him. He was after you before you were after Him. So what this should do for us, one, if you're out of the vine, you come to a place and say, I want to be in the vine. And if you're in the vine, what this should produce in us and a person that is in the vine is pure gratitude and saying, Lord, by no means had I had the ability to add myself to the vine. So our first starting point is we need to be in the vine and we got to recognize for us to get into the vine, we have no ability to do it apart from the vine. So the vine gives, uh, the vine which is Jesus gives all of us life, which is life in eternal. And we also note that this is the heart of God. If, 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 if a vine had to, if a vine had a brain and a heart, its desire would have been to, um, to grow branches and produce fruit. And this is exactly, when we think of the vine of Jesus, Jesus being the vine, this is exactly his desire in his heart. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, Jesus who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge and, and truth of who he is. So 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, Jesus desires all people. This vine desires that Everybody comes and be part of him so that he can give them life and life in abundance. And this life then produces a life of meaning. Why? Because there's no meaning apart from the vine. Grapes are defined by the vine that it's in. That's what gives it meaning. In the same way, when we are in Jesus, not from our own doing, but from his doing, we get defined, we get meaning, we get purpose, and we can live a life of impact and leave a legacy for his glory. So the first step, the starting point to living a life that is of pure success and, uh, and pure um, meaning and purpose, we need to be in the vine. Once again, there's no way we can get ourselves in the vine. This is by pure grace that we are in the vine. So the second thing, so the second thing to live a life of impact, purpose, and meaning and leave a legacy is we need to abide in the vine. So not only are you in the vine, you got to abide in a vine. So another translation will say you need to remain in the vine. You got to stay in the vine. A scripture that immediately pops to my mind is a scripture that says work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. There's a responsibility on our side to work out what the vine has started in us. There's a responsibility that we have. So we need to abide in the vine. We're going to look at two things. 
Why do we need to abide in the vine? And how do we abide in the vine? So here's the first one. Why do you and I need to abide in the vine? It says, abide in the vine and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, the, he is that branches or he is that, he is that that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. That was verse 4 and verse 5. So apart from Jesus, apart from being part of the vine, you and I can do nothing. You can tell the person next to you, you can do nothing apart from the vine. Absolutely nothing. And if you're sitting, if you're alone, tell the couch or tell the, the pillow next to you, you can do nothing apart from the vine. So what it indicates to us that there must be an absolute dependency on the vine. It shows that if we don't have an absolute dependency upon the vine, we can't bear any fruit. And this is simple. Think of a vine. A, a branch has no ability to produce fruit without the vine. So Jesus gives us the life by being in the vine. And now he gives us the ability to produce fruit because we remain in the vine. James 4 verse 8 also um, supports this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if we have a responsibility to draw near to God, that means we have the ability to not draw near to him. We have the choice, there's a free will in us to choose not to remain in the vine, to not remain with him, to not draw near to God. And whenever we not, so what that means is we actually, we refuse the Lordship of Jesus and whatever else we put ourselves under is basically an idol. So we can choose to not draw near to God or not work out our salvation with trembling and fear. And normally this happens when we forget that the, fa the mere fact that we are in the vine was not because of us. It's when we lose a gratitude of what Jesus truly can do for us or already did for you that we start drawing away from God or not want to draw near it. But the moment we remember that the fact that I'm in the vine, the fact that I can bear fruit is because of Him, we want to draw near to God and we want to work out our salvation with trembling and fear. So once again, if you have a vine, if you have a tree, it cannot bear fruit without remaining in the vine. So the first thing is there, why do we need to remain in Jesus? Because there's no way you live a life that is of true meaning, true purpose, and that is eternal value apart from Him. No way. You cannot do it. No one can do it. Many people can live a life that we will define as success, but there's no way. No way. It is true fruit and fruit that glorifies God Almighty. So now we want to go to the fact of how do we abide in the vine? So I spoke now briefly about why do we need to be in the vine? And the reason is because um, outside of the vine, we can do nothing. We're basically useless. But how do we remain in the vine? How, how do we do that? Here's what John 15 verse 7 and 9 says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, 
you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So three points that scripture is showing us. How do we abide in him? One, the word of God. If your words abide in me. Second, ask. That's prayer. By praying to God. And thirdly, is obedience. He says, um, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments. So let's take them one at a time. So the word of God. So it's in the word of God that we basically understand and know who God is. It's in the, it's in the study of scripture or the reading of scripture that we start um, understanding who God is and, and understanding his character and his person and uh, how he thinks and all that goes on in his life. Um, and so we, we, when, when we think of the word of God, that's a place where I think if I'm correct, either Ephesians 1 verse 8 or 1 verse 18, it speaks about enlightening the eyes of the heart. It's a place where God has to come and open the eyes of our heart. And what that means is the word of God has an ability to open our lives, to open our lives with the truth and penetrate and grip our hearts so deeply that it changes our whole being. And so that's exactly what the Word of God does. So and, and the Father prunes us to bear much fruit, and they use Scripture because Scripture exposes us. Scripture is a mirror. It mirrors us for us to see where are we off and where can we learn more about God. But we also need to be immersed in Scripture because the immersion of Scripture is important for us to move to prayer, and it's important for us to go to obedience and so the, the sequence that, that, that John is giving us here for me is quite profound. And you should never take, um, ask whatever you wish without the first part, let your words abide in me. And never the words abide in me without ask, because all of these things are, are somehow connected to one another. And there was a guy called um, Eugene Peterson. So some of you might know him, but he spoke about how we learn language at a very young age. And because we learn it at such a young age, we, we basically forget the process of learning language. And therefore, we might come to the conclusion thinking we initiated to speak. So we started to speak. We, we, we thought like we started speaking, but we know that that is not the case. So when any, when any child or any person learns a new language or from a childhood learns a language, they do not speak unless they are spoken to. So a language is spoken into us. If we learn a language, we only learn it because it's spoken to us. And as, we, as the language gets spoken to us, little by little, we develop words. So as, we get speak, as, as one gets taught how to speak, little by little, you're able to say um, chair. You're able to say iPad. You're able to say grapes you're able to say t-shirts or jeans so as we get spoken to little by little we learn how to speak so there's no word that you and I have ever spoken in our lives that was first words no all language or all um, yeah everything we speak is answering it's we answer because of what has been spoken to us and this is an important um, point to remember is because even studies have shown that the ability to understand and communicate profoundly is affected by the number of words 
and the breadth of our vocabularies to which we are exposed to as infants and toddlers. So the, the ability to understand and communicate is profoundly impacted by the breadth and the vocabulary that we have been exposed to. And this is exactly the same when it comes to the Word of God. And that's why it's so important for us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God because we can only respond or speak to God in prayer to the degree that we have allowed the Word of God to speak to us. So I want to say that again. You can only respond to God in prayer to the degree that you are allowing at this moment and for the life to come that you are allowing the Word of God to speak to you. And that is an important point. So before you go to ask whatever you wish, you're coming from a place where the Word of God was first and foremost speaking to you. Because if you don't come from that position, this is like a genie scripture for you. This is a a, a rabbit in the hat scripture where you will come with all the to-do lists of things you would want, but your heart is in a disposition. But when you come from a position where the Word of God is abiding in you and you have allowed God to speak to you and from that point on, now we respond to God in prayer. And so when we immerse ourselves in the Word of God in prayer, we come to understand or we come to know what it means to be in awe of God. Why? Because we're coming out of the Word of God and now we understand what does it mean to be in Awe of God. What does, it, what does it mean to praise God? What does it mean to adore God and to uh, long for Him and to be like Him? And when it says, um, ask whatever your wish, your wish will not be a new car, but your wish will be in saying, God, can I dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Can I gaze upon your beauty for the rest of my life? Can I inquire at your temple? That is the better thing to ask, I would say, than just to come with a to-do list, but your, your, your heart is in a place where you're immersed in God and now you're in awe of who God is. When we come immersed in the Word of God, we can experience an intimacy with God where we are able to find His grace. When we come immersed in the Word of God and we respond to God in prayer, we can find an intimacy with God where we can have an intimacy with God where we find His grace. When we come immersed in the Word of God, we can come to God with all our struggles asking Him for help. Why? Because you would have learned what a good God is. You would have seen how he responded to many people's situation. And therefore, now you can come and you can respond in prayer. See, prayer is a two-way thing. Prayer is a conversation with God. But not merely is it just a conversation, because we can have a conversation with every, anybody, and that is just an exchanging of knowledge. But we, when, we, when, we, when we have a conversation with God, we go uh, to the further extent and not just have a conversation with God, but we become basically in, a, in, a, in, a, in an another way naked before God and we encounter God. So we, we have a conversation with God, but we expose our life so much to Him because we understand who He is in Scripture and therefore our love and our intimacy and our trust for Him grows so much that you're able to expose your whole life to Him. You're able to process every emotion that you're currently going through in prayer. And now you're not only having a conversation with God, you're encountering the God of heaven and earth. And a guy called Timothy Keller said, prayer leads to a self-knowledge that is impossible to achieve any other way. Prayer leads 
to a self-knowledge that is impossible to teach or to learn or to achieve, sorry, any other way. Where you're in prayer, God has the ability to speak and show you things that you've never seen in your life or about your life ever before. And that's why it's so important that we come from a place where we are immersed in Scripture, responding in prayer. It's always a response. It's good to come from Scripture and responding in God, to God, and we immerse ourselves in Him. And the third way how we keep to abide in Him is by obedience. So we immerse ourselves in Scripture. We come into conversation and, and encountering of God And then we come out and we obey God. And our obedience is a reflection of our surrender to God. You can merely look at your obedience in your life and see if you're truly remaining in Jesus. Why? Because the word says um, that our obedience establishes our foundations. Our obedience reflects who we build on. Our obedience reflects who we obey. So what we do reflects who we obey. So what we fill our hearts, our lives will will reflect who we obey. So here's the thing. If you're in the vine, a true disciple that's in the vine, the way the vine is giving him or her life, they will have these three aspects in the life, where the word of God, immersed in the word of God, in prayer, and the, the outworking of that is obedience in their life. So it's, it's when you come to a point where you no longer try to justify the words of God. You don't try to work your way around it. You don't try to uh, make excuses. You rather say instead, God, I don't know, but help me to do it. That's the place where we get ourselves when we abide in the vine. We remain in his word. We remain in prayer. And the outworking of everything we do is always obedience. And I just want to add this to the sermon because many times we, we come to, uh, or, or once we get to salvation or you walk a, your, your journey with God and it might get a bit hard and a bit uh, tough, but then, you, then someone might tell you, you know what, God I just wants you to do less or rest a bit more or pull back. And I want to actually use rest, but God, pull back or do less. And the only thing that where you don't do anything is the point of your salvation. Someone once said, the only thing you bring to your salvation is your sin. That's the only thing. And then a great exchange happened. But everything after that is our obedience to God. It's our gratitude in our hearts. Therefore, we live out to obey God. And then the last part, to live a life that's truly meaningful, truly impactful, leaving a legacy of eternal value, is we need to bear fruit as a result. We need to bear fruit as a result. And we want to look at two reasons why. Why do we need to bear fruit? Here's why. Um, John 15 verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So what what does fruit do? One, it glorifies God and it proves that we are real disciples of Jesus. So We need to bear fruit because it's for the glory of God and it proves that we are his disciples. So let's take the first one, the glory of God. There should be no greater pleasure in the human life than to bring glory to God. Nothing. Now, here's why the glory of God. Imagine this. So imagine I I had to, if you were with me, I was going to give some of you these grapes, but now I can't. I'll eat them after this. Um... But imagine for a moment when anybody 
hey, one drop. So if anybody eats this, if anybody eats this grape, puts it in their mouth and eats it and enjoys it, no one will ever utter these words and saying, oh, what great grapes the branch produced. Never. It always will say, oh, what great grapes the vine produced. And that is an important distinction because we are the branches. Jesus is divine. So when anybody eat the fruit of our lives, it was never be to praise the branch, but always to praise the vine. And that is an important thing that we should know that it, that it's always the glory of the vine and not the glory of the branch. It's always the glory of Jesus and not the glory of us. Secondly, Jesus says when we bear much fruit, it proves, it's, it's evidence, it's a, it's a stamp on your life that you're a disciple of Jesus is when you produce fruit. And so once again, what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. So a disciple is someone who gets formed or imitates Christ. A disciple is someone who gets formed into the image of Christ. So how do you know you, you have fruit on your life? Are you becoming more like Jesus? That's the greatest question. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Because a, a, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Now, if you just take a, a look at Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and such things, against such things there is no law. So how do you know you're bearing fruit? Are you growing in love, loving your neighbor, loving God, loving your spouse, loving the lost, loving people are right? Are you growing in joy? Uh, are you growing in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in faithfulness, in the same way that the, the creator is? Because when we know, when we think about Jesus, when we think about God, God is love. God is joy. God is patient. God is good. God is faithful. He is gentle. He is self-control. Therefore, is he, if he is all of these things in a perfect measure, we can only look to him to become like him. And that is, a, is, is evident. It's evidence on our lives that we belong to the vine is that we become like him. Secondly, what, what a disciple is someone who, who fishes for people. It's someone who reached the lost. So how do we know we are true disciples? We have a heart for the lost. We want to see people come to, to, to Jesus. We want to see someone's life transformed. We want to see someone being freed from addiction. We want to see restoration in our cities. We want to see businesses prosper. We want to see lives change. We want to see communities change. We want to see a good stewardship. We want to reach the lost. We want to reach people so that we can influence them for the kingdom of God. We want to go and take back territory. God is about a kingdom. It's a kingdom we're in and we're soldiers to fight for his kingdom, to take back territory and advance his kingdom. And that's a true, uh, that's, a, that's a disciple. A disciple is someone who has fellowship with other believers. How do you know you're a true disciple? You follow Jesus, you want to reach the lost, and you're also in community with other believers. You're not a lone ranger. There's nothing in the Bible that supports us being lone rangers. It says we are part of a community. We are part of, uh, we have fellowship with others. And some may use the scripture where two or three gathers, there I am. Yes, that he is there, but that's not where the church is. That's where you and the person is and God is. But that's not where the church is. Where the church is is where the body comes together, where the body is being built up, where we fellowship and worship God and the preaching of the word and where we serve one another 
as a community of believers. And this proves that we are disciples of Jesus. So when the vine produces grapes, it never produces grapes for itself. The fruit that you and I produce is for, to, is for other people to eat so that our Father in heaven may be glorified. When we become more in the image of God, it is not so that we can be more glorified. Oh, how loving. Oh, how kind. Oh, how patient you are. No, it's that our Father in heaven may be glorified. That's why we want to bear fruit as Christians. That's why we want to follow Jesus. That's why we want to fall to our knees, repent where we have sinned, exchange that for truth and come out looking more like Jesus because nobody eats fruit and praises the branch. This fruit does not get produced for itself. It gets produced to get plucked, to be put in someone else's mouth and being enjoyed. In the same way, the fruit on our lives, the fruit that we bear for Jesus is never for us to enjoy. It's so that we can put it in others, store for ourselves an eternal treasure in heaven, and we can see lives and communities transformed in our own lives, our own families, our own communities or businesses, wherever you might find yourself, be transformed. And so I want to conclude with this. That this is the good news that Jesus offers for all of us. A life and an opportunity to live with Him in His presence. To be a servant of Him to impact the world. This is what life God offers us. So if you want to live a life of true meaning... True purpose, true impact, leaving a legacy and a life of eternal value. You've got to be in the vine and you've got to remain in him and you've got to bear fruit for the glory of God. And so that's what a true disciple is. That's what a true disciple of Jesus is. Someone who's in the vine, someone who wants to remain in him, loves and adores him. Works through everything in life, even those moments when you don't feel like being with him. The moments you don't feel like praying. The moment you say, I'm not in the spirit, then you pray yourself until you're in the spirit. That's what it, it's not about how we feel. All of us go through spiritual dryness. All of us go through times where it's tough. But it's that moment where we say, God, even though the fact that you put me in the vine, I want to come again. I don't feel like it, but I want to come again. And that is surely how some of you might feel. Some of you might listen to this and say, I have no desire to pray. You know what my encouragement for you is? Stand up and go and pray. I have no desire for the Word of God. You know what I, my encouragement for you is? Read the Word of God. Because there's just this aspect where God has to come through. And when we go into Word and when we go into prayer, it's a sign of our surrender. It's a sign of our dependency upon Him and say, God, if you don't change my heart, there's no way. If you don't make me bear fruit, there's no way that I can do it. And so here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to pray for us. And then after... I prayed for us. I'm going to lead us in communion. And we're going to take communion together, remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, remembering this vine that offered us eternal life and an abundance of life. And then I will close with us again in, in a prayer. So let me pray for us before we start communion. Father, we will never be successful, nor purposeful, Lord, nor no impactful, Lord, no living lives of legacy, Father, where we influence people, Lord, and advance your kingdom, Father, apart from you. There's, there's no way, Lord, we do not have the ability. We acknowledge today, God, this 
day, Lord, that we do not have the ability on the 3rd of May 2020, we acknowledge that we do not have the ability to be anything without you, Father. And Father, I pray that one thing, Lord, that I ask of you today, Lord, and I'm asking it for everybody who's listening, and I pray that they will ask it on for themselves as well, Lord, is that we may seek your face. I ask that we will seek after you, Lord, that we may dwell in your house, O Lord, all the days of our life, and may we gaze upon your beauty, O Lord, all the days of our lives. Father, I pray that we we live our lives in surrender to you. Father, we live our lives in the vine. We remain in the vine, Father, and we are merely branches that wants to produce fruit for you, Lord, so that other people may glorify you, so that our own lives may glorify you, that our own beings and, the, and our places, the businesses we are in, the families you have placed us in. Lord, I know there are people that thought to themselves, yes, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm in this area of work, and I'm there to do my work. No, God, you place them there to bear fruit so that others can eat and your kingdom can be advanced. And I thank you, God, that out of this message, you will use people, Lord. You will use people, Lord. People will come into a surrender where you will use them mightily, Lord. And when I say mightily, Father, I pray that you'll use them in the natural and in the supernatural, that they will influence people's life, Lord. That one day when they look back or stand in heaven, Lord, there will be a queue of people who they took into the promised land, into the true rest where you are. Father, and we are so aware that we forget you, Lord. Father, we, we worry, Lord, because we forget your wisdom, Father. Father, we, we covet because we forget your beauty, O oh God. Father, we sin because we forget your holiness. Father, we fear because we forget your sovereignty, Lord, but you never forget us. Help us to never forget you, Lord. Father, help us to always immerse ourselves in the word, Father where we meet you. And Lord, help us to commune with you, have conversation and encounter you in prayer and lift that out in obedience. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So let's take communion out of this. And I wanted to do it right at the end because we can display a gratitude for the vine, for Jesus and what he's done for us. And that he laid his life down so that we might live. And so I'm not even going to give us an extra scripture. I just want us to ponder upon this message that the fact that we have life is because of Jesus. The fact that we have life is because of the vine that he shed his blood so that we can live. He shed his blood that you and I have the ability to enter into his presence, to live with him and to abide in him for the rest of our lives and eternity as well. So if you have your um, communion ready, let's take the blood of Jesus together. So Lord, we thank you just for the pure grace and a gratitude in our hearts that we can be part of you, that we can be one with the vine. We can be in the vine where you give us life, Lord. I pray that this blood as we drink it, Lord, it will just produce a gratitude 
saying, oh God, how thankful we are that we can be part of you, Lord. And then I want us to take the body, which represents the body that were crushed for us. You know, the body that was slain for us. And it says, by his stripes, you and I healed. By, by his life, you and I can live a life of meaning and purpose. It's because he defines us and he gives us life. And so whenever you eat this, you remember his life. You remember how he laid it down for you, for you and I, so that we one day can dwell in his courts forever, that we can seek his face and live for his name alone. So as you eat this bread, whatever you might have in your hand, as you eat it, may you remember his body and that he laid it down for you so that you and I can have eternal life and have it in abundance. So Lord, I just close in prayer, Lord, and say thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body, Lord. Thank you that you became man and you lived the life that we should have lived, Lord, and you died the death that we should have died in our places and that you rose from the dead and now you're offering us salvation or forgiveness of sin and salvation for all of us who repent and believe in you. Father, we live with a gratitude in our hearts. We want to abide in you, Lord, and we want to obey you in all we do. Father, I pray that you go with every person Lord, that you bless them, that your face will shine upon them, Lord. God, I pray that you guide them. You, you're their refuge. Lord, you help them in every, every present need. In the name of Jesus, amen. So thank you for watching. Glad that you can join us on this Sunday. And I really hope this message blessed you and uh, changed your heart. And so may you keep on following us on Instagram or Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done so. And we are truly, truly looking forward to when we can see you face to face again. So may you have a blessed Sunday and a blessed week that is ahead for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.